new episode of Bachelor Crazy Cats. Yes, from Canada. It's a January 22nd, Saturday, 2.30. Even in this state, what he accurately described as acutely and floridly psychotic, I refuse to take more medication. The mission is not yet complete. Oh, be so mad at you if you do that! Because <laughs> that's going to help. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick around and <laughs> see how angry people can get at me. I tormented by the voices that I attempted to drill a hole in my head in order to get them out. Speaking of neurodiversity, anyone here got a mental illness? Oh, Stigma's still alive and well. Good to know. Okay, fair enough. We don't have to live our lives forever defined by the damaging things that have happened to us. We are unique. We are irreplaceable. What lies within us can never be truly colonized, contorted, or taken away. The light never goes out.
Just like that. I hope people can hear us. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be going up very high. Let's try that. Oh, that's a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> feedback. Feedback. Strange sounds coming from the room. Uh, the, yeah, that was uh, Eminem uh, singing. Beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, we got an interesting show for you. Uh, I was thinking maybe you're playing a little Alan Watts. Uh, he's speaking about. Most people will never know this, it says. Most people will never know this. Most people will never know this. And he is on identity. And eight minute piece. And uh, yeah, we'll put him on and he can talk a little bit. And in the meantime, we'll get GJ Lunacy to uh, introduce the show. Hey! Yes, this is DJ Lunacy. You haven't got my volume on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is DJ Lunacy. Uh, we have um, we weren't gonna tell you what we're gonna do today, remember? But uh, what? Oh, uh, I've got uh, prepared something about uh, Jacques Lacan. He was a guy from.
from France, one of the few psycho uh, important uh, well-known psychotherapists or analysts from uh, France. He brought. He was also one of the guys who brought Freud back, just like Stanislav Grof, that uh, the guy that I played for you last week that we never really started talking about. Well, he he was the guy that really liked LSD and um, uh, those. Um, uh, um, holotropic states uh, for healing a, a difficult mind, I guess, if you want to call it that. And um, Lacan has uh, made um, a, an important, uh, what I think, important statement about uh, listening between the lines or, um, and not, you know, not just taking uh, the things that the, the patient or the um, uh, the person that is looking for help uh, at face value, but uh, maybe figure out whether the unconscious or subconscious comes out through certain usage of words that is unusual and uh, trying to uh, determine what's going on in the person's head. He's, uh, in my segment you will hear later there is an example of somebody talking about being displaced and he uh, uses the word displacement in uh, very strategic ways because we think because he was displaced as a child when he was a refugee with his family. Um, yeah, we have all kinds of music. I've, I've got some music out. We've got Einstürzende Neubauten, which um, I'm sure you guys don't know how to spell. Ha ha ha. Definitely not. And I, did, I love trying to say their name though. Fantastic. Oh, it's not working here. I love trying to say their name. It's fantastic. The German industrial group I've been listening to for a number of years. Yeah, these guys are really old now. They started in the 80s, and uh, you know they had they made sounds from all kinds of metal debris and things like that, and uh, reading poems at the same time. So we're going to read a poem and make some noise maybe for you later. And uh, we also have a guest in the studio. Yes, Gregory Zabitniev is back. Gregory, hey. Hey, thanks for bringing me back. Absolutely. <laughs> we love having you here. Yeah, we love having you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. And we're going to have uh, uh, Gregory's friend Craig on the phone in a little while, maybe around 3.30. We said that we will call him, and he has something to say about mental health. And uh, I'm curious to hear what he has to say. We all think he's mentally ill, but he doesn't think so. So we're going to try and pretend that he's, that he's actually sane and not put him on the spot. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, that's cool, okay. Uh, so yeah, let's start off with the Alan Watts one, because uh, I really like Alan Watts. I oh, think good old Alan Watts. He's a fascinating guy. Like, he started off, he was such a straight-laced, you know, young man, and then he got into all sorts of Eastern philosophy, and, and uh, and all just mingled together different philosophies and he was a um, uh, in the church at one time and pursuing that and then eventually he woke up and he decided like to let all that stuff go and to move on to 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 inspiring people with his ideas about uh, life in general yeah so let's just play his piece the most it's called most people will never see it and then and um, it's on identity. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was just doing everything that's on our 
What do you think you are? Supposing this world is a tree, are you leaves on its branches? Or are you a bunch of birds that settled on a dead old tree from somewhere else? I believe that if we are honest with ourselves, Which one's the best? that the most fascinating problem in the world is who am I? What do you mean? What do you feel when you say the word I? I myself. I don't think there can be any more fascinating preoccupation than that. Because it's so mysterious. It's so elusive. Because what you are in your inmost being escapes your examination in rather the same way that you can't look directly into your own eyes without using a mirror. You can't bite your own teeth. You can't taste your own tongue. And you can't touch the tip of this finger with the tip of this finger. And that's why there's always an element of profound mystery in the problem of who we are. This problem has fascinated me for many years and I've made many inquiries. What do you mean by the word I? We speak of coming into this world. And this whole sensation that we are brought up to have of being an island of consciousness locked up in a bag of skin, facing outside us a world that is profoundly alien to us in the sense that what is outside me is not me. This sets up a fundamental sensation of hostility and estrangement between ourselves and the so-called external world. And therefore, we go on to talk about the conquest of nature, the conquest of space, and view ourselves in a kind of battle array towards the world outside us. When you make something, you put it together, you assemble parts, or you carve an image out of wood or stone, working from the outside to the inside. But when you watch something grow, it works in an entirely different way. It doesn't assemble parts. It expands from within and gradually complicates itself, expanding outwards. It is absolutely absurd to say that we came into this world. We didn't. We came out of it. I wonder what you mean when you use the word I. What do you think you are? Supposing this world is a tree. And I've made many inquiries. What do you mean by the word I? We speak of coming into this world. 
And this whole sensation that we are brought up to have of being an island of consciousness locked up in a bag of skin, facing outside us a world that is profoundly alien to us in the sense that what is outside me is not me. This sets up a fundamental sensation of hostility and estrangement between ourselves and the so-called external world. And therefore, we go on to talk about the conquest of nature, the conquest of space, and view ourselves in a kind of battle array towards the world outside us. When you make something, you put it together, you assemble parts, or you carve an image out of wood or stone, working from the outside to the inside. But when you watch something grow, it works in an entirely different way. It doesn't assemble parts. It expands from within and gradually complicates itself, expanding outwards. It is absolutely absurd to say that we came into this world. We didn't. We came out of it. I wonder what you mean when you use the word I. What most civilized people mean by that word is a hallucination. An identification of ourselves with our idea of ourselves. Or I would rather say with our image of ourselves. And that's the person. Or the ego. You play a role. You identify with that role. I play a role. It's called Alan Watts. But I assure you it's a mask and I don't take it seriously. So I know I'm not that. But most of us are taught to think that we are whom we are called. When you're a little child and you begin to learn a role and your parents and your peers approve of your being that, they know who you are. You're predictable. So you can be controlled. But when you act out of role and you imitate some other child's behavior, everybody points the finger and says, you're not being true to yourself. Johnny, that's not you, that's Peter. <laughs> and so you learn to stay Peter or to stay Johnny. But of course, you're not either. Because this is just the image of you. It's as much of you as you can get into your conscious attention, which is precious little. Your image of yourself contains no information about how you structure your nervous system. It contains no information about your blood chemistry. It contains almost no information about the subtle influences of society upon your behavior. It does not include the basic assumptions of your culture. It includes all kinds of illusions that you're completely unaware of, as for example, that time is real and that there is such a thing as a past, which is pure hokum. But nevertheless, all these things are unconscious in us and they are not included in our image of ourselves, nor of course included in our image of ourselves. Is there 
any information about our inseparable relationships with the whole natural universe. So this is a very impoverished image. And this confused seeking is going on everywhere. We don't know what we want. Nobody knows what they want. We think of what we want in vague terms. Pleasure, money, wealth, love, fulfillment. But we don't know what we mean by all that. So then the next problem that arises is, well, what about all the other illusions? What is important? What is not important? What is good? What is bad? What is pleasant? What is painful? Has to be called in question. Not in order to destroy the whole value system, but in order to see it for what it is. And that's where we will object and say, well, surely that's a colossally difficult task because we are so long habituated to it. And we have been taught to believe that the longer we have been habituated to something, the more difficult it is to change it. And that is true if you believe it. And if you don't, it isn't. It should be obvious that the human being goes with the rest of the universe. Even though we say in popular speech, I came into this world. Now it is not true that you came into this world. You came out of it. In the same way as a flower comes out of a plant or a fruit comes out of a tree. And therefore people are an expression of its energy and of its nature. That was really cool, Alan Watts. Yeah, I, I'm having a crisis of identity right now. I've been taking myself off my meds. I was I forgot to say that I was going to talk about this today, but we decided that I was going to talk about it today when we were on the ferry, and I said that I'm feeling this sense of dread and I'm just like totally out at sea. I can't make any decisions. I don't know what's up, what's down. I'm completely lost and um, I just um, have to say that I hope that this is because I am not taking certain drugs anymore because if it's if this is who I am going to be for the rest of my life it's not very pleasant I, I feel uh, the hostility that Alan Watts is talking about uh, from the environment from everything I that I can't trust i i can't um i can't um uh, predict i can't um, decide what could be good bad or otherwise i'm just having a complete and utter crisis of faith and um i went through this before when i took myself off of some other drugs actually my psychiatrist took me off of uh, some drugs abilify and I went through the same thing, and now I'm going through the same thing again, and I don't know how many more times I can go through this, but um, 
because I went through it before, I'm thinking that I could become different and not have to stay in this kind of... I feel like I'm one of those little uh, butterfly things when the butterfly kind of uh, goes into the chrysalis mode and I'm just mush inside. I don't have an identity. Like I guess the chrysalis doesn't have an identity. The identity is either the caterpillar or the butterfly, right? So, yeah. And I can see how Alan Watts has come to similar conclusions in that our identity needs to be questioned a lot. And um, in that sense, I guess what I'm doing is healthy, but it doesn't feel healthy. It feels like I'm losing my mind. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, you know, there's like all the different biological makeups of people and, you know, depending on how, what choices they make on coming off of pharmaceutical drugs, everybody's going to be affected differently and it's going to affect them differently in different ways, uh, some very harsh and some, you know, not, maybe not so harsh. Um, you know, it's like I had an experience where I went through like one and a half years of brain zaps. <laughs> wasn't pleasant, and it was a sizzling sound. I was absolutely positive that I was injected in the hospital with some sort of biological marker. And uh, now, after three years, they finally just starting to calm down. But um, I still worry a little bit because uh, whenever I get stressed, it, the the volume of it gets turned up, and I can't. This like I can't listen to people. I can't hear what's being said to me. It's a really confusing state, and so like, I understand the importance of getting off of some of the drugs, you know, like, um, and uh, but um, recognizing that though psychi psychiatric drugs are very very powerful, and they will wreak havoc for quite a while before our system is able to. You know, reconnect the synapses that were, that were, um, uh, you know, working with the neurotransmitters at that one time with the, with the SSRIs and whatnot, um, putting more receptors on, taking more receptors away. I mean, that takes a lot. That's growth. That takes a long time. So, yeah, some of the stuff is going to be really, really harsh. And you know, I, I really admire uh, Lunacy for doing it cold turkey because cold turkey is fucking hard. Yeah, maybe I, I don't know, I just, um, we talked about this before, I think they don't really have any dosages that are good for tapering, and um, so, you know, I mean, like, bucking around with the dosages and, and splitting t tablets and all that stuff, it just all seems very complicated to me, and I'm, you know, I'm not in, I don't feel like I'm even mentally in a position to be disciplined enough to taper right now, and Anyway, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, whether what I'm doing is right or wrong. It's like this is all being pulled into the big question, like very similar to what Alan Watts is describing, is like uh, our identity as, you know, is like so, like everybody expects you to have this stable identity and you expect it of yourself. And, you know, you're not really allowed to question what whether you have a identity that is more like Johnny or is more like Peter or you know what is at the bottom of all these 
identities that people have built up around themselves and they have invested them, their energies into building. And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I have to, at least I have to, should be grateful that I'm not in physical pain because I know that the, the brain zapping that you described goes along with pain. And um, I don't get these manifestations of uh, noises in my head. And I'm able to sleep at night without medication, which has taken me a long time to do. And I think it's got something to do with not going overseas for uh, trips every year. I used to go overseas to see my family every year. And I think it really upset my sleep patterns to the point that I couldn't sleep without sleeping pills. And that's... Unfor that's fortunate. Uh, I feel fortunate that that is stopping, and I'm developing a circadian rhythm that I can rely on. And um, I, yeah. What else? What What do you have to say about Alan Watts, Gregory? Well, I'm just I'm just wondering too, like about identity with, uh, like media, like the media portrays, you know, how people should look in a certain group, you know, fashion. Also, like peer pressure from the group that you're in. If you're with certain types of people, you have to dress like them and act like them and that kind of thing too. So I think it's a lot harder now for people to identify being an individual anymore because you always have that pressure to follow a group that you admire or someone that you admire. The other thing we were talking about in the car, uh, me and uh, DJ Aftermath, is the uh, political correctness that is expected everywhere. Basically, every brain is supposed to be in political correctness mode at all times. You know, you're not even allowed to post anything, any of your de so-called deviant thoughts on your social media account. It has to be all 100% political correct. And um, you have a very narrow bandwidth of ideas that you're allowed to present anymore. And that kind of makes us all identical and I resent that. I've, I've you know, I, I find uh, it is um, a horrible development. My, I, my individuality is completely curtailed, and I'm threatened by that. I, I, I don't think that's only in my head. I think this is a real threat, and I, I'm, uh, I'm happy that I'm not uh, at the beginning of my of a career or of a life anymore. I'm you know, out of it. I've been out of it for quite a while, actually, but I just, I would not be able to control my thoughts to the, or my speech to the point that I could be political correct all the time in a work environment or in a public environment. Yeah, that's an interesting point about sort of uh, social media on the internet. <clears throat> There's all the different rules to conform. Like you can't make statements about certain topics or that kind of thing. And it really uh, curtails people's individuality, for sure. And I, you know, I always thought individuality was where our identity lies. Uh, you know, like, how do I differ from Peter? Or how does Paul differ from Peter? And what is the unique contribution that this person can make? And all this seems to be irrelevant these days. You know, you're not supposed to make your individual contribution anymore. You're supposed to, uh, you know, you know, uh, blow the same horn that everybody else is blowing, and uh, you know, don't you dare say anything, and don't you dare say anything that might upset somebody. 
that uh, could create um, a terrible negative emotion in somebody else. Uh, it, it has to be a positive or it cannot be said. Are we playing some music? No, it's just playing itself. It's <laughs> 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 magic. It's weird. I, don't know I like that. I like there's yeah. music playing itself. Let's see what happened here. Yeah, I don't understand why it's like coming out of my machine. Not come. Oh, I bet you that's because this thing is in the way. Let's try this. Oh. Tears we cried a flood. Hmm. Shut down. That was so good. Was nice. <laughs> My phone shut down because it's like it has this fucking, you know, like uh, I don't know, ninety pounder of plastic protector on it, and then if you don't move it fast enough, it shuts down. So we'll just let it shut down and rewind it later. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I was just going to mention, like on that same topic about. Um, <coughs> You know, people kind of have to, the new normal, they call it. Like, what was the old normal, you know, with the vaccine and that kind of thing? They say, oh, we have to get used to the new normal. But who is setting what is normal and what is not normal? And also the other thing our guest might talk about is uh, who determines who has mental illness and who does not have mental illness? You know, what are the criteria, you know, based on what Alan Watts was saying about individuality? You know, if someone is unique and they sort of go on their own path, you know, often they're hard to classify. Is that a mental illness or is that just a, like a gifted person that has some unique talent? You know, that happens with music quite a bit. Some a musician will come along and they'll play something in a whole new style. And at first people don't really understand what it's about, but later on other people start following that, that kind of style. Same with art also. Yeah, that's what we were thinking last night. We were playing Einstürz into Neubauten, and we were we wanted to become a band like that because it seemed simple, but it's probably much more difficult than it looks or sounds. Yeah. So when that band came out, they influenced so many other bands. There was a whole industrial music in the in the 1980s, early 1990s. Like everyone started to be influenced by that sort of industrial sound, and became very popular in Vancouver with bands like. Skinny Puppy or Tool, different bands like that all of a sudden got into the industrial music. But at first it was like, shunned by everyone because it was sort of unacceptable. And then later on it becomes... We should make a soundtrack called Snippy the Rat. And we would have in the background the sound of Snippy the Rat getting quashed time and time and time again. Like, I don't know what it would sound like. I don't know. You guys probably don't know what Snippy the Rat is. But yeah, who's the Rat? Do you know? No. Okay, Gregory's going to... Do you want to explain it? You tell it. Okay, you it? Okay, so uh, when, when was that? In Vancouver, somebody, uh, probably also in the 80s, or definitely in the last millennium, 90s, 90s uh, decided that they were going to uh, um, publicly execute a rat uh, by throwing a 
concrete block on top of it, right? Like it, the concrete block was suspended above the rat, the rat was in a box or something, and the concrete block was going to smash onto the rat. And it was going to be, I don't know what, filmed, I guess, or people were going to be innocent bystanders to this event. It was kind of some kind of an art event, you could say. Uh, you know, like, a, how do you call it? An, an, um, um, installation. In, yeah, no, not installation, though, a, a happening or not happening, but like something like that. Improv. Did you think of improv? No, I didn't think of improv. Something else I'm thinking of. Maybe I'll think of the word later. Words are important, but I just can't find it right now. And so then people had a public outrage, and they wouldn't, they didn't end up executing Sniffy the Red, of it, uh, publicly. I think, but I think we should at least uh, make a sound as if we were executing Sniffy the Red. We can fake it. Okay, don't, no, don't go for it. You got a sound. We, I got a sound too. Go for it. Poof, poof, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something uh, something in between, like the, mix those two sounds together and then play them in the background. And I'm going to read okay. a poem about how Sniffy, Sniffy's identity crisis. This is, this is Sniffy, Sniffy the rat getting executed. <laughs>
Einstürzende Neubauten with, um, with, with uh, the song called Strange Bird. And um, yeah, that's. Um, I, oh no, we were going we were gonna say Sniffy the Rat. We screwed up. Okay, I have um, somebody on the phone that would like to talk about mental illness a little bit with us. His name is Craig, and uh, he's um, a really good friend of Gregory Zabitniev's, who is our guest in the studio today. And we thought it would be fun to listen to what Craig has to say about mental illness. Okay, go, Craig. Hi. How's things? Really good, really good. So last time I understand you guys were talking about, you know, um, what is, you know, who defines what actually is mental illness? Well, yeah, we, we have been talking about that relatively consistently, and we've been trying to dig out people from the past that have been, uh, um, you know, famous for saying things like uh, that they shouldn't pathologize, uh, you know, certain uh, mental uh, conditions. And uh, unfortunately, we are in a position where a lot of conditions are pathologized, especially the depressive ones, because they make you low functioning. And then all the high functioning narcissists, of course, they get uh, get away with it. and. Oh yeah, we can't treat them anyway. Just let them keep going because they can go and do important jobs like destroy the planet and things like that. So, yeah, we've been talking about uh, that consistently. So, w what is your take on that, Greg? Well, I've got a funny feeling that you know the the people that are you know making you know that are making the rules that are you know governing us are the ones that are insane that are that have the 
that have the you know the mental illness you know they're they're uh you know if they're they're consistent with you know keeping things the way they are you know like things are always they, they don't seem to be getting better and um that's been going on for decades i mean just look at the prices of everything you know it's really interesting that you would say that because i remember uh, about a month ago, um, I visited uh, um, DJ Aftermath in the hospital, and she and I were playing, uh, trying to play this uh, segment that uh, John Lennon, uh, in John Lennon interview, and uh, we, for whatever reason, had it on. I had it on the phone, and she had it on a laptop, and it was exactly the same timing. I said, "This is so unusual; that never happens that you get that in sync." And that's exactly what John Lennon said just before he died. He said, "The your rulers are." certifiably insane not just a little bit crazy he says but insane and that's a long time ago yeah that's that's a great talk so uh, how do you how do you uh, just, just tell me some of the symptoms that you see of insane people ruling us well just um you know uh tell the, the big one is telling us how uh you know the, the gaslighting telling us that everything is fine you know we're 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 doing better when it's obvious we're not and um i think they just can't believe them they have their own pathology there where they're you know they're totally believing their own you know what they're saying that they're they actually live in a world where they believe things are fine but when you look at society like a healthy society shouldn't have homeless people everywhere like that wasn't the case a long time ago you know 40 years 50 years ago um there just wasn't i know they had asylums but we're talking about just homeless people just regular regular people that you know like um that are now on the streets and you know that's not a sign of a healthy society it just you know in my, in my mind especially a society where you know we are so rich with resources You know, they, they throw money at, you know, these, the government throws money at these programs and nothing seems to get better. It seems to make things worse. And um, I think, you know, we just, we've lost our way, you know, we're packed into these cities. You know, it's just, I know when I go out into the, out, out into the wilderness, when I come back, um, I think that's the best therapy. I can't, you know, I, I, I can't say enough about getting out and, and enjoying nature and what that can do for your, um, you know, your clarity. It's just, um, yeah, I'm in. Well, Greg can, Greg can, uh, he can confirm, you know, what things are like when we, when we come back from the, you know, our ex extended camping trips. Yeah, but what you're not saying is what are you doing during those camping trips, you naughty well, people? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm a big advocate of psychedelic drugs. I think, you know, um, mushrooms and LSD used, you know, according to, you know, um, your own, uh, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to like, you know, use them in your, at your own discretion, but, um, you know, just, it's, it's almost as if you come away with some answers that, weren't there before no we we had uh, last week we had um, a clip uh, by stanislav grof uh, uh, grof yeah groft or groft 
Grof. He, uh, he started experimenting with LSD when he was very young in Prague. The, the uh, drug company uh, Roche from Switzerland sent him some syringes with LSD and, and they said, try to experiment with this with your patients and amongst yourselves. He was working at a university and um, he uh, had the most amazing experiences with this and he was very uh, much in favor of uh, reaching those uh, what he called holotropic states to improve um, um, mental functioning. Yes, I mean, you know, LSD is probably the poor man's version of ayahuasca, um, just because we can't get it here. The plants don't grow here. We don't have the shamans to, you know, mix it all up and, and you know, take us through the, you know, into the void. Um, I've done DMT once, and it was one of the best experiences, quick, fast, but it really was, uh, it was enjoyable. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, I, when I was younger, uh, somebody slipped me a Mickey Finn of acid in some gum. I think I was about eight or eight, seven or eight years old. And I had a real bad trip. And, you know, I, I had, you know, as a kid, nobody knows, nobody knew what was going on. I was just freaking out. And years later, um, I experimented with a little bit and then, um, you know, you get to you get to know your limits, and you get to know that you know if you happen to go over, you can always just say to yourself, "It's just you know, calm, take it easy, be calm, and this will this too will pass." And do, and you know, and and think good thoughts. You know, people a lot of people have terrible trips. Um, I did as a child, but every single time I've taken mushrooms or LSD since then. It's never been bad. Yeah, it's never know, been. It's interesting yeah, never, because never had a bad trip. Never yeah. felt terrible. Never. Yeah, it was enjoyable. It's, it's interesting uh, because now just a second, we have, uh, 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 um, DJ Aftermath wants to say something real quick, Craig. Oh, um, yeah, it's interesting because now it's uh, become uh, a form of therapy, and uh, it's guided therapy, so that you can be on the drug and you can be taken to these places that you're talking about and not have a bad experience or if you start to go into a bad experience you have someone to guide you out so that's and it's very successful in ptsd trauma did you hear that mm -hmm. i did yeah yeah well i mean i just think the you know the studies are i don't think it's you know, alcohol is way dead, you know, far more deadly or far more harmful than LSD ever will be. Um, you know, um, maybe some people have allergic reactions. It's hard to say, but um, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody on L L LSD other than maybe ripping their clothes off and jumping into a lake, um, going and, you know, starting a bar fight somewhere, just, you know, becoming belligerent. Everybody I've ever met that's been on a hallucinogen has always been happy, as you know. It seems to be the 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 case. Happy, non-confrontational, just wants to enjoy things. Um, and that's another. You know, we we live in a world where our concentration is so. You know, there we don't have any concentration. People are so, uh, you know, just from one thing to another. And there's no gap. There's no time to ponder anything. 
with LSD, you can sit and ponder stuff for quite a long time. And when you ponder, I think you get answers to a lot of riddles and mysteries and things that you might not have, you know, you might not have uh, found otherwise. Yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting to get uh, to these different levels of consciousness and um, to uh, even uh, Stanislav Grof has said that even some of the bad experiences, this, uh, what I would call maybe a psychotic state, can is also a, a, a different perspective on things and it can be valuable and it, it brings you inputs too, even though you know, you might come away and, and get spooked out a little bit, but, uh, you know, people pathologize all these things all the time, and it's ridiculous. And the pharmaceutical companies end up, you know, reaping the benefits with their, with their, you know, um, antipsychotics. Yeah, I mean, in I, certain I circumstances, them. I'm sure, I'm sure they're, you know, they have merit, but um, overall, probably not. You know, probably not. Well, I find there are chemical constraints and they don't really address uh, the problems. They just uh, suppress the symptoms while you take them. And then as soon as you don't take them, the whole uh, problem is uh, still there. Under uh, Underlying problem just stays right there in the mind. Yes. Yes. Sometimes you can't, sometimes, you know, you have to lose yourself before you find anything. And um, these, these uh, doctor prescribed um, things probably for the most part don't let you lose yourself. Hey Craig, I have one quick question for you also. <clears throat> Earlier we were discussing what identity means, like how do people find out what their identity is in a world where there's so many different uh, politically correct people, the new normal, like how do people d discover what their own identity is as a unique individual? Well, I mean, I think that's all subjective. I'm a big fan of freedom. And if you want to identify as whatever you want to identify as, you're more than welcome to. And, you know, um, that's fine. But if it comes to, you know, um, demanding that somebody acknowledge you, to, you know, uh, to acknowledge them, how they, you know, uh, like say somebody identifies as a cat, but is obviously not a cat, but wants to engage in conversation with you and through mute, mute, mute um, meowing. Um, I think at that point you shouldn't, you know, um, facilitate that sort of a delusion. But if somebody has a, you know, uh, I don't know, if somebody has a, um, as long as you're not infringing, you're not, if you're not forcing other people to, you know, participate, I, I, I'm a big fan of freedom. I think. Most I guess that brings us back to the liars, those leaders that lie to us, and uh, obvious are very obvious in their lies, and we can easily prove that they're lying, and yet we have to somehow or another uh, tolerate these leaders. I mean, I'd rather have somebody meow at me than these stupid leaders lying to me all the time. I agree. I mean, you know, there's the the this intersectionality we're witnessing now throughout, you know, the the Western world, where everybody has a little bit of skin in the game, and everybody is on their own team, or on a you know a, a team that's all atomized. I don't think that's healthy. 
I don't, I, I, that leaves um, the field open for people to be, you know, uh, herded or, or, or cajoled into doing things that they might not want to otherwise. And I think it's important that, you know, freedom is, is, is the, is the big thing. Like take for COVID for instance, you know, regardless of how you feel about vaccination, if people just, if they're feeling ill, stay home, stay home for two weeks, you know, recover and you should be fine. Um, and that's, you know, freedom and with freedom comes responsibility. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have the right to go out into public if you're, if you're ill and hack, and, you know, spread the, spread the fungus among us. Um, <laughs> it's not good. It's not, it's not good. That kind of society is good. Well, you know, we have a society where we don't have the luxury to stay home because everybody has to go to work. And uh, then they're, oh, well, we don't have any people in the hospitals. They shouldn't be staying home that long. They have to go back to work. After one day, they say, no, one day you're yeah. allowed to stay home. It's, no. Uh, no, it's uh, leaders are becoming, like you said, they're becoming more and more insane. And they put more and more ridiculous demands and manipulative demands on the individuals. And individual can't uh, see through to... To, to where the actual source of the information or the actual source of the demands is uh, coming from. And it's all very obscure and it's very difficult to devise whether you are working in a group or a community or by yourself. It's completely impenetrable what these leaders come up with. Well, they, they do have a chink in their armor. And the fact is that, you know, every, anybody that's been censored, you know, that's being censored by these people, it's the, the, the censors who have the problem and if, if everybody just stands on a, on the um, soapbox of freedom, you know, and, and just, you know, always espouses freedom. Everybody has the freedom to do what they want as long as they don't, you know, infringe on other people's freedom and their, you know, pleasure in life. And, you know, people have to be able to accept somebody that says, okay, I'm done talking. I'm going to go now and just let it go. Right. I mean, that's the thing. We live in a world where we have these these leaders that tell us one thing, you know, old Trudeau there tells us, well, we're not going to have any mandates and there's not going to be any passports. And lo and behold, here we are. And the science is totally against that. And I'm sure that translates to all sorts of things. Um, taking away, um, you know, these care facilities for people that really have serious mental issues that can't function properly. And the police are, you know, they're not equipped to deal with these sort of things. And, you know, the, the old standard of the asylum, well, we can't go back to that and just strap people down or throw them in a rubber room till they calm down. They need to be, you know, they need to have dedicated people, you know, just similar to, you know, the people that work in um, care homes for old people. It takes a special kind of person to do that job. Um, and... You know, most people can't do that job. And um, I think that's something that needs to be done uh, for people that have severe mental illness is, I think, first, put them in an environment where they're closer to nature. And there's the, the soothing sound of a stream or a river can do wonders, um, probably more than any drug can do, especially, you know, something that's created in a lab somewhere. <laughs> based on a few subjects 
that were given, you know, the prototype. And I think that's, that would be a great direction for, you know, more holistic instead of allopathic, you know, go more in a holistic um, uh, direction. Yeah. I really think that uh, every uh, that uh, there would be way fewer mentally ill people if we didn't have those mentally ill leaders because they are basically crazy making. Yes. Well, they're the ones that that because there wasn't enough funding took away the hospitals. And yeah, that's uh, that's a tragedy, you know. Um, and it didn't need to happen. So, you know, it, 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 it's it's. The, most of our leaders, they live beyond the industrial wasteland. They don't live anywhere near, you know, where Joe Sixpack lives. And if they do, um, you know, it's usually in a coveted community. So, uh, and they're, you know, our leaders are usually lawyers. That's the strange thing. You know, there's very <laughs> seldom, is there like an engineer or, or somebody, you know, even just a, you know, like a carpenter. Well, Trudeau is a ski bum. Maybe that's good. that counts. He knows nature. Trudeau knows nature. I think we could all do better. He goes to Tofino of all places. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Justin is probably the prime example of a, you know, of somebody that's deficient. Um, you know, somebody that refuses to debate. Um, somebody that, um, you know, stifles. Any kind of criticism, yeah. They, we were just yeah. talking. We were just talking in the car about a, um, a leader. I'm never going to forget how he just dissed uh, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould out of the Justice uh, Department just because he wanted to get, go against his corrupt company, SNC Lavalin. That's like that is the prime example of how. Chance. Doch können wir sie dann für immer und immer. Und wir 
was an interesting discussion. should be plugging in my phone i'm going to sign off on this uh podcast recording or because hmm. we haven't got the technology <laughs>